Blog Talk Radio. If I ever do anything right, I want to be so good to this little life. If I ever wake in the night, I want to know I tried my best for this little is a listener-funded show. No part of this program should be construed as medical advice. And now your host, Gina Kirby. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our program. If this is your first time listening to Progressive Parenting, I would like to welcome you. Uh, thank you for listening to our program. We've been around for 10 years now. The goal of Progressive Parenting is to inform, not teach, to be inclusive and not exclusive. And our other goal is to make sure that parents and doulas who listen to our program both know that they are not alone. I am very excited about our show today. My guest is Amy Gilliland, PhD. She's a, a doula, a doula trainer. She researches and teaches about doula labor support, women's sexual experiences, and the psychological needs of mothers and fathers during the birth experience. She is an AASECT certified sexuality educator, a past member of the psychology faculty at Madison College, and one of the first Donut International Birth Doula trainers. Over her 25-year career, her work has spanned the prenatal, uh, perinatal spectrum. Dr. Gilliland's research has been published in JOGNN, Midwifery, Journal of Perinatal Education, Sexuality and Culture, and the Wisconsin Medical Journal. She is considered to be a thought leader on birth doula issues through her influential blog, Doulaing the Doula. And for more information about her, I will share that info in a little bit. But let's just get to her right away. And let's pick up that line and say good morning Hi, to Dr. Amy. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm doing really well this morning. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on the program. We're really quite honored, actually. And I'm really, really excited about uh, this particular topic. When I read your blog um, back in April now, uh, I was just like, oh, my gosh, yes, let's talk about this. So you wrote this fantastic blog called It's Your Turn to Make Doula History. And I want to talk about that today. Um, what does that even mean? Like, And how can I make history? <laughs> At least I'm sure that's what some doulas are thinking. Well, so how do we even, like, broach that topic? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because I guess I have a strong sense of identification with most doulas because you just read my bio, which is like, oh, okay. So that's what I did with my adulthood, okay. 
Um, but I really am just a person who walked into the room when a woman who I knew was starting labor, and she was by herself. And so there wasn't anybody there, and I was with her and um, until after the baby was born. And I was so curious about why the medical people did the things the way that they did um, that I went back to college, and um, I was privileged enough to be in college at the time, and uh, wrote a paper about birth centers, and then it, it transformed my life because when I got pregnant a few years later, I had a vastly different birth than I would have if I hadn't had that initial exposure. Um, and that was back in 1980 when I went to Julie's birth, and I had my first child in um, 85. So okay. I, I guess the way that I relate to history is I think that as a doula trainer, and I've been doing this for 20 years now, those are the women who are like accidentally exposed to birth or they had a poor experience themselves or they want to prevent somebody from having a bad experience or they just know that there's something really, really significant and important about pregnancy and birth and they want to know what the secret is. You know, they want to know what what's going on. There's something really important here, and I'm missing out on it. So yeah. uh, when I think about history, that's the way we've been for the 30 years that I've been going into labor rooms, well, 35 now and 55. But um, So I have this strong sense that at the time, what our motivations were when we first started going to births again um, – and what people are experiencing now is really not that different. But, of course, they don't know that, you know. And right. what a strong sense of empowerment it gives for, um, I think, youngers. I'm just going to call because I started calling doulas over 50 and 60 elders, elder doulas. <laughs> that's the nomenclature kind of fits, you know, so, so that for the youngers in their 20s and 30s, it, it wasn't that different. And for you to understand that when you hear our stories, I think gives you a much stronger sense of purpose. It gives the younger a stronger sense of purpose and understanding about how they fit into the scheme of things and also into feminist history, women's history. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, that's a big part of it, and I, I think it's something that gets left out. Uh, we definitely in the, the culture dual program, we have been kind of going over our history lest, you know, we repeat it mm-hmm. <laughs> unless we're doomed to repeat it. And like, how did we even get where we're at right now? But like for a younger, the, the very idea of like, how am I going to make doula history? Like, how do we even, how do we broach that with um, the youngers? I love this. I love this term. <laughs> um, Cause mm-hmm. I'm almost, I'm five years away from being an elder. <laughs> um, <laughs> It sounds it sounds kind of daunting, you know, when we know, um, I mean, when I first started, I'm going to say almost 11, 11 and a half, doesn't matter, almost 12 years ago, a little over a decade, um, you know, I was looking up to folks like Sheila Kitzinger, who sadly is no longer with us, and I actually knew and was friends with Marston Wagner, who is no longer with us. Um, these are people, um, you know, who... Uh, kind of paved the way, made history themselves. I mean, Marshall Wagner was not a doula. But, I mean, these are people who uh, inspired me to become a doula, and and now they're not here anymore. And in my mind, I'm like, how can I 
be a part of making this this history. How you know? And I know that youngers are thinking that too. So I, I would really love to get into that that part of of what your blog was about. Well, think about why um, uh, Marston's important to you. He's important to you because he was accessible to you, and you said, "I want to have a yeah. conversation." And he said, "Sure, let's have a conversation." Yeah. And and but you took that initiative to say, "Wait, I really want to talk to you." You know, and I go down the list of doulas, like when Connie Livingston, um, who was the president yeah. of ICEA uh, currently, yeah. among many, many other accomplishments. But I remember Connie back in 97 when we sat at donor board meetings back in the way early days, and she says, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit down next to me because we're going to laugh a lot. <laughs> and, and, and we did, you know, for 20 years. And and I'm I was I found out that she passed away simply because I said I need some advice. Who can I talk to? Connie's the perfect person. I better check up on what's going on with her on her Facebook page. And I found out she had passed away. And and um, I had the good fortune with Alana Stein, who it was a huge person in the um, New York City doula um, early days and getting. Um, forget the, now the name of her programs, but she had um, she started uh, volunteer programs there for doulas serving low-income women. She did a lot of things, and she got ovarian cancer and passed away before she turned 60, I believe. And um, luckily, we knew that for the last three years of her life. But there's many, many others. Rosemary Bertrand, who is here locally, she attended over 200 births for low-income women. Um, in the 400 births she attended. She started the cesarean prevention movement back in 1986, I believe, 85 or 86, which is now ICANN. But she was, she was and she passed away a few years ago. And that, the, the next column I'm going to write is called, you know, the time to honor your elder doulas is now because they're, yeah. they're dying, you know. It's like I buried a nurse friend of mine two, two weeks ago. You know, and so for me, it's in the air. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's just happening. But I want to get back to your question, which was uh, just simply about these people gave you something, had meaning to you, their wisdom and their experience, they were willing to pass on, all because you said, "I want to have a conversation with you," and that's all it took was that level of initiative, which is not which is accessible to everyone, you know. For shy people or introverted people, it may be a little bit harder to ask that, make yeah. that request. But I would say that most people in that elder doula position are going to be thrilled that someone's actually interested in finding out about what was happening in Windsor back in 1990. You know, what was the birth scene like yeah. here in, uh, you know, in, in Windsor or in Genoa City or, you know, Lake Placid. Uh, I think that that is a big part of it because I'm I'm thinking about that very first phone call I ever made ever. I was um, I wasn't even a doula uh, yet. Uh, I was like on the cusp of becoming a doula. Uh, I owned a maternity store in Fresno, California, and I just started my radio show. And it was kind of almost like on a dare, but for my husband because he he needed me to shut up about all these baby books I was reading about. Like, why don't you just have a show and talk to somebody else about it? 
So the very first person I called for my very first interview was um, I called Attachment Parenting International. I called their offices, and I um, I wanted to speak with uh, Barbara Harper. But I have to tell you, Amy, I paced around my store for about three hours. I was sweating. <laughs> I had, I just had the hardest time picking up the phone. I'm like, who am I to call, you know, these people who I, you know, held in such high esteem. I'd read all their books. I was just so blown away by what they'd accomplished. And when I did, I got on the phone with Barbara Harper and Barbara Harper, Barbara Nicholson. She picks up the phone, and she is the nicest person in the world. So lovely, so accommodating. And then years later, I find myself uh, being asked to be on the board of directors of Attachment Parenting International, all because I just picked up the telephone and made a phone call and just dared mm-hmm. to talk to somebody. And I, I, what I want to share with doulas, I love that you brought that up, is that um, these people who are very passionate about what they do, they want to talk about what they do. <laughs> they want to share it. They want to get the word out. So when you call them, don't feel like they don't want to talk to you because they want to talk about this all day, all night, all the time. Uh, and, and from then on, it was easier to pick up the phone and, and call people like Hansi Goer or Rhea Dempsey and, and just be like, please be on my program. And, they're, and they all said, yes, yes, of course I want to do that. And not because I was well-known because nobody knew who I was, probably still don't know who I am, but it's, that's not what's important. What's important is reaching out, like you said, just making that first step. I, I really can't see anybody saying, no, absolutely, I don't have time to talk about my passion. I can't see that. Yeah, I'm here. I mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, my, um, my other question to you is um, uh, when you were uh, in your blog, you had said, what is your community's story of change? And I love that. I love this idea of doulas being historians and and finding out, their particular story of, like, where they live. Like, I just moved here to Albuquerque. I have no idea how Albuquerque came to be such a great place for natural childbirth, uh, and I'd like to find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and I um, think that – go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you please. Oh, I was going to say that that it's, 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 it's incredibly exciting to figure that out. You know, and if you're a person who likes to read detective novels at all, uh, yeah, and, yeah. or you have a natural sense of curiosity, this is the project for you. And most people tend to think about history as something very dry and that you read in books, and that's just the fault of our educational process and that they don't know how to teach it. But history is about people making decisions and choices um, based upon limited options and, and how they view the world. I mean, and and so it's yeah. like untangling a ball of yarn, and uh, like, well, why do we have? How did our? One of my questions, for example, was, well, why is it that I travel all around the country, and for IV pain meds, this is the only place I can find where they use Numorphan? Why do here in Madison, Wisconsin, do we use Numorphan and no one else does? And why yeah, is that's that? Exactly. And so I went back. I finally found the pharmacist from 35 years ago here in Madison because oh. I remember when we switched. I was I was actively dueling there. And uh, they said, you know, I don't have any reason. It must have been some marketing thing. So there must have been, and then it just kind of 
they, it just perpetuated itself. And women don't complain. I, I find it better than, than uh, the side effects we get with Demerol and fentanyl. Um, but mm, it, it, it's, it's just like, and why do we have LDRPP rooms, labor, delivery, recovery, postpartum rooms? Well, we have those for many years because there were two doulas who were on the committee when the, before the hospital, when they were considering um, how they were going to change things with the new construction, that there were two doulas who were on, you know, it's like, how do we get policy changes so that we get skin to skin in the first hour or two hours after birth? How does that happen? Um, well, that only yeah. happens when you have champions, and that only happens when you have consumer champions, and usually those people are doulas. That's who it was here. That's who it was in a couple of different hospitals in Milwaukee. So um, I think the doulas have been quietly influencing things for decades and without any kind of recognition. I think if we start unraveling the yarn ball, we'll see that, um, um, yeah, we'll see that, there's, that there have been lots of small fingers or lots of pushes or lots of support for people with power from people, you know, from doulas who saying, yes, we need to do it this way. Mm-hmm. So that brings me to, like, a side question that I've been asking uh, a lot of our elder doulas. How do you feel about this idea or this, like, new notion that doulas shouldn't be advocates? Shouldn't be advocates for what? For consumers, for their clients. Or oh, no, be advocating that. There's a difference between being an activist and there's a difference between, I mean, the way that I teach um, advocacy, and I'm mm-hmm. coming up on my, my 100th doula training this year, um, so I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, is that yeah. <laughs> you know I tell people your first your first thing is do you have any questions about that? So you know at asking your clients and I say what I tell all my clients is if I ask you there's something you need to know that you don't know. So uh-huh. the answer to that question is always yes. Do you have any questions about that? And then I think this is you know it's fairly standard. Um, and then you get into the benefits and the risks and the alternatives. Then your role is to make sure people understand. So you reframe what people said. What I heard you say, Dr. X, is that your main concern is blah, blah, blah. And what I heard you say, you know, parents, is I heard the laboring parents say that their main concern was this. Did you get that, Mm -hmm. Dr. X? So that's my role is to facilitate communication. The conclusions and decisions that those people make, I, I, yeah. have, I don't have, the only investment I have is, is making sure that they understand one another. And then yeah. my next step is, is then to back up my clients when they say, no, we want delayed cord clamping. And then I say, oh, you know, non-laboring parent, this is your opportunity to remind, you know, we're in second stage, I'm seeing head now, you need to say, oh, remember, we didn't want delayed cord clamping. So they say it, they've already discussed, and then when the physician reaches for the cord clamp or the midwife reaches for the cord clamp, I can say, oh, remember, they didn't want that. Because whenever you learn something as a medical person, you learn to do it, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's how you save lives. 
okay? So you learn to do it in a sequence. So what we're asking them to do, we're asking them to remove the step in the sequence. Well, human brains don't do that. So they're going to need my prompt to remind them, oh, that's right, I'm not suctioning the baby, I'm not clamping the cord right away. So when they reach for it, I can say, oh, remember, they didn't want that, okay? So if they do it anyway, it's not my job to put my hand in front of the care providers and say, oh, no, no, we're not doing that. You know, I can look at the non-laboring parents and say, do you see what's going on over here? They're not listening to you. You know, that's, that, that's my role is to prompt, encourage, restate, um, make sure there's an understanding, but I'm not there to control or influence beyond um, beyond the beyond my facilitator role. I'll stick my neck out as far as my clients do, but I don't do it farther than that. Does that help you clarify about advocacy? Yes, absolutely. That's what I wanted okay. to hear. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what camp that no, no, puts no. me in, but that's my um, – I think the doulas work best when we facilitate other people's relating to one another, whether that is partners in a relationship, whether that is a parent to a child, whether that is a patient to a care provider. You know, that's that's where we shine and that's what that's what most people need, you know, especially if they're not effective communicators, they need that help. And and you know, you could be an excellent care provider and be, a, you know, a really bad communicator. You know, you're, you're the person yeah. who really needs your own doulas <laughs> that help your patients understand you, you know. Um. No, no, that that is perfect. Um, I, because I think people misunderstand what advocacy means. Uh, you're just, mm-hmm. you're looking out for well, the advocacy of your client. Do you really want to know what I think? Advocacy is a crap word, okay? Now, the reason why we, the reason why the word advocacy is used in terms of the doula's scope of practice is because it's a part of the nursing scope of practice or standards of practice. And when um, Annie Kennedy was first writing that for PALS, for Pacific Area Labor Support, back in the mid-1980s, she was basing the doula's standards of practice using the same headers and organization that nurses in Washington State used because that's what made the most sense at the time. So the word advocacy got stuck in there. But advocacy is an extremely problematic word because anytime you use it, you have to qualify it and say, oh, but doula advocacy isn't like medical advocacy. It isn't like patient advocacy where I have I've been a patient advocate and a medical advocate in six different contexts for six different patients. So when I do that, I'm talking to the doctor. I am initiating asking questions. I am making sure that I am explaining to them, this is what your patient's main emotional concern is, and this is why I'm telling you and they're not telling you. That I do not do as a doula. That is not, that is outside of our standard of practice. So when we say... Well, doulas advocate, but not like others. It's a bad word. So let's get rid of the word. I use the word empowerment, okay? That's what I use in my research, and that's what I use in my workshop. And, and now, once again, empowerment is, is not a great word because we can't empower right. anybody. I can't walk exactly. into a person and say, well, I'm going to empower this person. Right. 
I can create an opportunity for that person to empower themselves. That's my role as a doula, is to create that opportunity. Oh, wait, Nurse Beth, let's ask laboring person here. Did you have any questions about that before Nurse Beth leaves the room? I'm creating an opportunity for their voice to be heard, for their concerns to be met. You know, that, that's, that's empowerment. That's not advocacy. So I've, I've been unhappy with that word for 10 years. I haven't been able yeah. to have it yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad I'm glad I brought it up. <laughs> yeah. It worked out great. Um, so uh, back to how we can make dual history. I love that you say, like, if you don't, you know, if we don't write this down, then somebody else will, um, and right. it might not be correct, <laughs> right? Um, so when we're, when we're talking about, like, writing up our history, um, I like that, the idea of talking to, you know, doulas who maybe have retired doulas, they're not doulaing anymore, and finding mm-hmm. out, you know, listening to their stories. There's so much that we would be able to learn uh, just on a personal level um, and maybe even change the way we doula just by listening to these, these you know, experienced, now retired doulas and then, mm-hmm. like, writing it down and then sharing that with everyone. That is just so it's so beautiful. I love the idea of that. I mean, I just moved here to Albuquerque two years ago and Pam England lives here and I need to like go, I need to, you know, muster up my courage here and go knock on her door and be like, Hey, I want to talk to you. I want to know everything. Uh, Tell me all the things. Tell me how you started. Like I want, I want to know all this stuff, but not just her. I mean, there's so many other doulas in town. Um, I love the idea of that, of becoming an historian. I never thought of that, Amy. That never like occurred to me that that I could do that. Yeah, and and it is totally accessible. I mean, that's why on my blog, I never tell people to do anything without also giving them the tools how to do it. So that's the thing about if you go to that blog post, I've got a nice little four-page PDF about how to set up your space, how to contact people, what kinds of questions to ask, so the, the tools are all there. But here's the thing is that you history is um, what's so important about this is to me is that it's our history. And it doesn't really matter to anybody else except us right now. Except when it gets collectively done, this is a this is a the dual revolution, the social movement that we've created has been one that's been very quiet and very subtle, but actually extremely powerful. We have not reached the crest of the wave of what is possible um, with doulas in the labor room. I don't think we've reached the maximum number of models. I think we're going to find doulas working in a lot of different creative capacities in a lot of different models serving a lot of different kinds of families. Um, Because one of the Mm -hmm. things that I get a lot about is people get really excited. They're like, oh, my gosh, you know, this doula is setting up a business like this or, or they're only serving this particular group. I'm like, great, because we've got growth. You know, when you step back, you take a macro perspective, this is what we want to see. We want to see the 
disequilibrium. We want to see disturbance. We want to see growth because that means that things are still moving and changing and moving forward. Yeah. And we're just in the midst of that right now. But this what gets back to, and to me, feminism gets a bad rap these days, but any time uh-huh. you're doing something that's about women and that empowers women and that says that where you're claiming this is our story, this is our history, this is what we did in our community, that's feminism, you know, and that, that's, that's really what it is at its core is saying as women, and, and this is not a slight at all against, um, against uh, trans families or, or gay families at all, or you know people who, right. who have differing gender identities. That's that's not that's not the issue. The, but you know it is usually women's bodies who are birthing and women who identify with women's gender who are um, who are in that space of pregnancy and laboring and birthing. So because of that majority sense, I'm just going to use the word female and women here. Is that for us to or women to really gain a strong sense of themselves and to see behind where you come from and what you're doing yeah. and how it fits in, that's just, that's an, that is, that's an incredible feeling and one that you can share and that once you get these stories, you can pass them on. And, and we, that's the story of dueling. Because we didn't do it for the glory. Doulas didn't start out for the glory. You went to a birth because you didn't want this woman to go by yourself. You didn't want her to be butchered right. open again. You didn't want her to be, and there's many different ways to, for women to end up having that feeling like I was butchered open. That was, a, that was something that I heard several times in my early days. That was the language that women would use. And so we went to right. birth for much more altruistic reasons. And just because we couldn't stand the status quo and um, and the fact that things have changed and women can now say, I get to go to birth and I get paid for that, or I go to birth because this is how I can support my family. If I couldn't support my family, I'd be in a different profession. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. You know, that's growth. Um, uh, that's, that's tremendous. There is... One thing else I want to I want to mention about um, about history and communities. Mm-hmm. This is a good time. Yeah, okay. my gosh. Is that, <laughs> depending upon where you live, uh, one of the things I'm going to come out with probably early next year is um, is I have a I have developed a theory about doula communities and that there are five different stages of communities. And so, if you're the lone doula in you know in a rural area and you're still trying to convince people of of a doula's benefits and why they might want to have a doula at their local hospital, that's a stage one community. And there's still plenty of those in the world and plenty of those here in the United States as well. Um, And then you get everything from, oh, there's a few doulas around and we all know each other. We should get together more often to then you get to the third stage communities where there's some regular things happening. There's regular meetings. Maybe there's a regular baby expo, and then you move all the way up to stage five where you've got different doula groups to choose from. There's always, you know, there's something happening, that there's two or three reliable doula teas or open houses or, you know, um, you, get, you get the understanding about those different stages? Yes. 
So that makes sense to you. So when we're talking about history taking, it's going to be very different if you're in a stage one community versus a stage three versus a stage five, you know. Um, in a stage five, it's probably going to be, a, you know, several different people are going to be contacting um, others to come up with a history. And those are usually larger cities or communities, too, that are in stage five. But not all, you know, not all. Exactly. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad I had you in the show. My, my mind is, I'm like, I'm just swimming right now in all these ideas of, of how to um, – how to retain like our, our history, how to like capture it and write it down and, um, and, and make a difference. Cause that's such a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and how exciting too, that we don't even really have to, I mean, you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home. You could just pick up a phone. You don't have to, <laughs> to go and, and knock on doors. Um, I love this other idea of yours. This is where my, my mind is going right now. Uh, is that you said, um, to have a party, and all I could think of is to, like, grab, like, a couple of midwives here in town, have them over my house, and invite people over to celebrate them and to sit yeah. down and ask them questions and get, like, a, a beautiful oral history slash party slash um, community awareness, sisterhood, all the good stuff, all in one. Like, just killing a bunch of birds with one stone. Yeah. That sounds really violent. Yeah. <laughs> You and I are experts, and we love to entertain. Yes, that's our thing. We would love that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be a big, big, dry thing. And, you know, a lot of our early doulas did other things. We had one who was a retired police lieutenant, you know, and then we had somebody who was a veterinarian, and then she went, she moved, and then went back to doing veterinary stuff in her new place. But. She went to like 80 births when she was here, and you know it, it's not it's not straightforward. You know, not everybody was a doula stayed with birth. Mhm. Right. Yeah, and I love I love that too because um, I think we get really focused on celebrity and like who's quote unquote famous and not famous. And I I love that mm-hmm. about my culture doula program is introducing people that you haven't heard of before who are making a difference. They're just not celebrated mm-hmm. enough. And I I want to make celebrities out of people. <laughs> I want to, like, sh- show them to the world and be like, they should be known for the amazing work that they're doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we wait around for somebody else to do it, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and so, so we need to make it happen. And I love that you said that uh, uh, on your blog, and I'm quoting you, <laughs> If you complete your yeah. local project, I will publish it. That is amazing. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I, love I, I that would love to that. have an excuse. I would love to have an excuse to start another website. <laughs> fantastic. I love it. Well, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be one of your first contributors because this is a fantastic idea. I love it. Thank you so much. I've been I've been following you for a really long time. I don't want to sound like a crazy, creepy stalker, but I I read your blog and I follow your work, and I just think you're the best. Oh, did they lose you? Hello? Oh no! Right at the end? Are you still there? Oh nuts! All right. Well, if we were going to have any kind of troubles, at least it was at the very end. Technical troubles, at least it was at the very end of the show. So um, I want to thank our amazing guest, 
uh, Dr. Amy Gilliland, uh, for being with us and for the amazing work that she does. You can find her at amygilliland.com. It's two, three L's, two L's in the front and an L at the end. Um, and um, read her blog, follow her on Facebook, and um, get get in on this and start doing the history. Oh, she's back. Yeah, I guess the call dropped. Are you still here? Hello? Oh, we drop her again. Oh, she's gone. Well, I'm just so happy to have had her on the program. Super honored. Please, everybody, really entertain the idea of making history by by keeping it, by recording history. Uh, there's some really great um, resources on DuelingTheDoula.com. Please go to her blog. at It's DuelingTheDoula.com, and then you can see where it says blog and click on that. And it's her last blog. It's your turn to make doula history. Do read it. She has all these wonderful uh, points on her blog. Let's see if I can get Amy back on. Wink. Let's try that again. Let's see if this connection works this time. Hello. Is that you, Dr. Amy? Hello. Ah, well, I have you on. I can't hear you. Hello. All right. Well, darling, I'm glad that you tuned in. I hope you join us again next time on the program. Our next show is on the 24th, and we will be interviewing. Hello? I, I can't yeah, hear Okay, you. great. Hello? Here we are. Oh, you're back. Yes, yeah, I, I am. wanted to say goodbye. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to say goodbye without you here. Thank you so much for yeah, all the work that you do. I, I want to do a history with you. I want you to want to do what? I want to hear all of your stories. I want to interview you next oh, no. time. I want to sit down and, like, I want to know your history. I want to know how you got started. I want to know all this stuff. So I'm going to have to do another show. <laughs> okay. I want, and okay, then great. We'll put it down, and that will be one of my history ones and celebrating yes. the work that you've done because you have been, and I've been just following you for years. I love your blog. I love everything well, you do. You. <laughs> and I'm a huge thank fan. Thank you very so much. Thank you so much for being Absolutely. Thanks for being on the program. Thank you. And again, for everything you do. Thank you to our listeners for listening in today. Thank you for um, tuning in every week. Be sure to uh, follow us and um, follow me on YouTube for videos and more. Until then, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. If I ever do anything right, I want to be so good with this little light. If I ever wake in the night, I want to know.